until Jesus runs this town is more than a catchphrase or a nice declaration. It comes from a heart to see an entire city be radically transformed by the message of Jesus Christ. And that if Jesus was running the show and God got a hold of the hearts in our city, that Erie would be a much different place. I would say a much better place to live. But can we tell you something? In 2018, we have had a front row seat to seeing God do some amazing things in our city and beyond. Elevate Church, through your love and generosity and compassion and your heart to point people to the hope that can only be found in Christ, we're seeing a city that's moving from hopeless to hope-filled. We're seeing the light of Jesus reaching into some of the darkest and depressed areas in our community. And you can call it arrogance. We call it a confidence in a God who is able to do immeasurably more. But we see a church that could completely change an entire city through love and generosity and pointing people to the only thing that matters in this life and in the life to come, Jesus. Because we truly believe that the church is the vehicle that God uses to impact the world. And because of you, that's exactly what God's been doing, impacting our city and our nation and beyond. 2018 has been an incredible year of seeing lives changed and people that were once far from God begin the journey of reaching their full potential in Christ. So we want to share with you just a few of the ways that you're making a difference right here in our city and beyond. Last year, we launched our Mobile Dream Center, but this year it's been on the move throughout the city in a big way. From neighborhood cleanup efforts on the east side, picking up trash, to bagging hundreds of lunches and just going out to serve them to people in our city, the Mobile Dream Center is bringing a little bit of hope and relief everywhere that it goes. From setting up a picnic in a park, complete with games and face painting, free meals, just to bring a little bit of joy and to build relationships and love on the people that God loves. We also served our city through another great Loads of Love Day, washing, drying, and folding over 275 loads of laundry. Of course, we had a pizza party too, and crafts for the little ones. And just this past month, our team rolled up to the Soldiers and Sailors home and took professional family photos and individual photos of some amazing men and women who have served our country and fought for our freedom so cool. and provided all of them with a printed photo that they get to keep forever. It was such a great day. Yeah, it was. And we will continue to increase our efforts and advance the part of our code that says, people are our heart until Jesus runs this town. And just last weekend, we opened up our church doors wide and had our first ever Big Give Day right here where we gave hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of coats and not just coats, but brand new winter coats to kids and teens and blessed families with over 400 bags of groceries. Yeah, what an amazing day that was. The look on parents' faces when they were able to give not just one of their children a brand new warm winter coat, not just two of their kids, but when all four of their children walked out of our building with new coats and a couple bags of food, it was such a privilege to be able to witness that. Also in 2018, we began a great partnership with Convoy of Hope. And this has been such an incredible partnership in so many ways. For starters, 
the day of hope right here in Erie was an incredible day. And our church played a significant role as over 400 of you stepped up to serve our community, which was over half of the total number of people from our area who served that day. Man, I love this church's heart for serving our city. And on that day, we got to love on around 2,500 people in our city with family portraits and health services, vegetables, a job fair. We served them hot dogs and gave them a garden in a bag that they could take home with them. We also gave out 1,560 new pairs of shoes as well as 5,000 bags of groceries. There was also an opportunity to pray with families and 44 people prayed to trust Jesus wow, Christ so good. for their salvation that day. It was a ton of work to pull off a day like that, but it was the best kind of work. Even beyond our city and state, our partnership with Convoy of Hope means that we are a part of responding first in times of crisis. The U.S. has suffered incredible loss and tragedy this year from hurricanes, floods, even fires. And through Convoy and their relief efforts, we are helping to give help and hope to people in times of crisis. Now, long after the media's spotlight has lifted from a disaster area, Convoy continues their work for months, sometimes even years. Their goal is not only to be one of the first organizations to respond to a disaster, but also one of the last to leave. And by partnering with them, we bring immediate and long-term relief to those who are suffering. Also through Convoy of Hope, we're helping to feed hundreds of thousands of children every single day throughout the world, empower thousands of women to earn a living and provide for their families, and cultivate sustainable agricultural projects all over the globe. In particular, we're beginning a focused relationship in El Salvador with a school where we're in the beginning stages of planning several missions trips to help provide the school a new stove for cooking meals, storage for food, and working restrooms. So all together in 2018, we were able to give $30,000 to Convoy of Hope. That's so good. And you hear about it every single weekend here at Elevate, but we continue to partner with the Erie City Mission who is doing an incredible work, not just in providing hot meals for thousands of people in our city, but is also helping those who are stuck in drug and alcohol abuse, helping them find freedom from those addictions in Jesus' name. The Erie City Mission serves three meals a day, 363 days a year. I'm not sure what happened to those other two, but at least 363 days out of the year, they're serving meals to over 175,000 men, women and children, and they run an incredible new life recovery program, which can house up to 38 men at one time. Now you've heard us say this every single weekend for every first time guest here, we give $5 to help the Erie City Mission. Now, while that doesn't sound like a ton, consider this, already over 1,200 first time guests have walked through these doors. So when you do the math, that's over $6,000 that we've given to the Erie City Mission. Come on, that's amazing. Of course, one of the things that we're the most passionate about is the local church. We believe that God through the local church is truly the hope of the world. And in our code, we say that Jesus is our message. And that's not just our heart for Erie, but for all of the US and all over the world. And through the Association of Related Churches, we are planting life-giving local churches around the globe. And we as a church have been directly involved with three church plants 
just this fall. Take a look at these guys. Hey, this is Brian Henry with Treeline Church in Pittsburgh, and we are Ark Church plant number 805. We just want to say a huge thank you to Pastor Colby and Kristen for supporting us and coaching us through the launch process. Our launch day was on Sunday, September the 30th, and it was amazing to see what God's already beginning to do. In just a few weeks, we've already seen nine people make a decision for Christ. Our team is so excited, and we can't wait to see what God continues to do. We just want to say thank you for supporting us and for being a church that believes in us and building the kingdom. What's up, Elevate? My name is Pastor Hadley Baker. I'm the lead pastor of City on a Hill Community Church located in Garland, Texas, kind of the Northeast Dallas area. We are Ark Plant number 779, and uh, I want to say thank you to Pastors Colby and Kristen for being our coaches with Ark. We are so excited to be a part of the Ark family. You know, we opened our doors just a short time ago on September 16th. We had 289 people that came out to our service. Nine people placed their faith in Jesus Christ. It was an absolutely spectacular day. And so uh, we know God has been doing incredible things in your church as well. So we celebrate with you guys in Erie, uh, all the way from the Lone Star State. We thank you for believing in us and coaching us and investing in us. So God bless you guys. Thank you for all you do. What's up, Elevate Church? How you doing? Hey, my name is Pastor Rory from Legacy Church up here in Nashua, New Hampshire. We are Ark Church Plant number 809. We were the last church plant of 2018. And I want to give a big shout out to your pastors, Pastor Colby and Kristen. I want to give a shout out because they are Ark coaches. They are investing in churches all over the globe. And it's just amazing to see how Elevate Church, you are investing in the next generation of church planners. And so I want to give a shout out to your pastors to thank them because of their coaching and because of their investment in all of us and in, in our intensive with ARC and everything. Because of that, we saw on launch day for Legacy Church, we saw 246 people celebrate Jesus on launch day. Come on, somebody. It was awesome. And of that 246, we saw six people raise their hands get a bible and take a step into a relationship with jesus and so again i want to thank you elevate church and elevate your pastors colby and Kristen. we thank them we love you guys and we're so grateful for your investment in church planners hey elevate church love what god is doing through your church and your pastors dina rizzo here and what a great year we have had at ark it's just been incredible making a difference in the kingdom of god through planting and resourcing new churches and helping those existing churches so the heart of our, our organization has always been and it came right from our founder billy hornsby who's with the lord and it's also the heart of our president greg surratt and all of our lead team pastors and you as a church is to do everything we can to say yes so that couples can go into a community and make a difference. We had 125 couples this year participate in launch training, We've launched over 100 churches. That brings our total up to 800 churches that we planted through the history of ARC. It's been incredible. And because of your generosity and the way that God has blessed us financially, all that you've given has been able to go to planting churches. So this year alone, we'll invest $7 million 
into church planting. Of those churches that we planted throughout the history of ARC, those 800, they will invest another 40 million just in missions alone. Think about how eternity is being impacted. Think about how the gospel is spreading because we're investing in church planting and they're investing in making a difference around the world. Just amazing. So many unique things have happened this year. Plant a lot of churches on the West Coast. Matter of fact, in the fall, we planted more on the West Coast than we did on the East Coast. That's a first. So it's incredible what God is doing. Our mission at ARC, we wanna help new and existing churches. We wanna see them thrive by providing leaders with relationship, with resource, and with opportunity. And because you're a part of what God is doing in that great church, we're able to start other churches to make a difference and to see the good news of Jesus Christ spread. And I believe that the future is bright in planning churches and resourcing churches, and you're a part of it. Thanks so much. What an incredible organization for us to be a part of. We are literally playing a part in reaching the world for Jesus, and it's just so cool. So check this out. Through our mobile Dream Center, our Big Give, and strategic partners like the ARC, the Erie City Mission, and Convoy of Hope, and also through helping those right here in this house, total in 2018, we have given $125,000 out beyond our walls. Isn't that awesome? That's so... Amazing, it's amazing. And in just six years, check this out, we've given a half a million dollars away beyond the walls. Now that's what's happening beyond these walls, but what's happening inside of these walls is really just as amazing. God is transforming people's lives and he is taking them on a journey to reach their full potential in that's Christ. Right, that's right. And because you invest in the ministry of Elevate, we continue to provide more and more discipleship opportunities at Elevate through Crash Course, Elevate Groups, Elevate Youth, and also Elevate Kids. So far this year, over 100 people have completed Crash Course, and now they're being deployed for impact, serving in areas of their giftedness and making a difference in the lives of so many. Summer squads and Elevate groups, they've continued to grow with nearly 400 people connecting to one another and doing life together, growing closer to Jesus. Elevate Youth, it just continues to blow the roof off of this place with monthly house parties and growing students in their faith through small groups. And our Elevate Kids team continues to provide the absolute best experience, teaching the love of God to around 300 little giant slayers every single weekend. And perhaps the most amazing thing that, that we have a front row seat to every single weekend here at Elevate is because you continue to invest and invite your friends and family to a weekend experience is that this year alone, get this, 180 people have surrendered their lives to follow Jesus. And wait, 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 192 people have publicly demonstrated that faith through water baptism. Now, come on, I know that you wanna clap and celebrate. That's unbelievable. And all of this, every single number, every person, every child, every dollar, every changed life, every student, every decision for Jesus that happens right here in this room, we won't take any of it for granted. Right. This is an amazing move of God and we believe it's only just the beginning. So really, we just wanna say thank you. Thank you for the way that you serve, 
Thank you for the way that you live generously and give generously. And really here's our commitment to you. Here's the commitment of this house that we will never stop running the race that God marked out for us. And we're gonna run it in such a way as to win it. We will never stop doing good. The Bible says don't grow tired uh, of doing good for in due time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. And we will never stop having faith that God will continue to move mountains. And we will continue to risk the ocean, moving out into deeper water where we are in way over our head so that we are completely dependent upon God. And we will never, never stop relying on God's strength within us because we know that it's not by our might and it's not by our strength. It's not by anything that we could do, but by his spirit. And we will never, ever stop helping people who are far from God reach their full potential in Christ Jesus until Jesus runs this town. I love this weekend. In fact, if you are a first time guest, I am so glad that you are here. This is one of my favorite weekends of, of the year and really it's because you're going to see John 3:16 in action. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And when you really love something, you give. When you really are desperate for something and appreciate all that God has done in your life and you, you love him for his sacrifice for you, you respond by giving to God. And so I've been praying. I mean, this is an exciting time. My wife and I, we've been praying about what God would have us bring. I've been praying about what God would have you bring. I've been praying that someone would bring a million dollars today. Like, why not, right? I'm just gonna throw that out there. I've also been praying that someone would bring $100 today. And I think it could be that the $100 gift in God's eyes uh, is even more of a sacrifice than the person bringing a million dollars, perhaps. We're not looking for, for equal gifts. We're looking for equal sacrifice. In fact, that's what I wanna talk to you about just for a little bit, this idea of sacrifice and, and what that means. There's a story found in your Bibles. If you have your Bible, uh, Mark chapter 14, we read about this woman's amazing sacrificial gift. You've probably even heard the story. This lady breaks into this dinner party and she breaks open this, this bottle of expensive perfume and she pours it all over Jesus. This is what the Bible says. Let me give you a little bit of, of context for it. In Mark chapter 14, verse one says, now the Passover festival and festival of unleavened bread were only two days away. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him, but not during the festival, or they said people might, might riot. So that's just a little bit of a context. That's a little bit of the setting, what's going on. So you know the time period. These are, these are days before, right? Jesus uh, is taken to the cross, and he pays for the sins of the world. So here's what the next verse says. While he was in Bethany, Reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper. How would you like that to be your nickname, right? That's a rough nickname. Like He wouldn't be there. Jesus wouldn't be there. People wouldn't be there if he still had leprosy. However, he was known by what he used to have. And I wonder if this is one of the guys that Jesus healed. And I wonder if out of, out of gratitude for the healing that he received, he opened up his home in order to, to host Jesus, the, the savior of the world. You know, I, I think there's, there's something in there for us that when God does something for you 
or when you've experienced God's grace in your life in a tangible, specific way, it should make us wanna open up our lives, open up our hearts to see him work in and through us. And so this guy, Simon the leper, right, he opens up his home and it says, a woman with an alabaster jar of very expensive pure perfume made of pure nard, she broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Now, some of those who were present, some of his disciples, some of his followers were indignantly, saying indignantly to one another, why this waste? Like, can you imagine, like, what what she's doing? Can you imagine the waste uh, of this expensive perfume? They said it could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And so they rebuked this woman harshly. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done this wonderful thing, this beautiful thing to me. You should know that when, when we give today, when we bring our offering, it's not, it's not for you. It's not, when I praise God and, and lift my hands and worship, it's not for you, it's, it's for God. We, we bring an offering to God through the church, but it's to God. And so what she did in this moment wasn't for those who were in the room. It wasn't for those who were seating at the table. It was for Jesus. She did a beautiful thing to me. And so Jesus is saying, like, mind your own business. Look at what she's doing for me. The poor, you're going to always have with you. And you can help them anytime you want. But this right here, this is a once-in-a-lifetime moment. This is a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. She did what she could She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Here Jesus is, again, kind of casting a little bit of vision for what was going to happen. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout this world, even right here, right now, in Elevate Church 2018, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And so here we are. It it has um, come true. Right, We're still talking about the extravagance, the extreme nature of this, this woman's sacrifice. I want to spend just a few moments talking from the subject of sizing up sacrifice. Sizing up sacrifice, that there is a cost to our sacrifice. I think it's funny when we read this story, we immediately um, kind of take sides. Like we think about, the woman, and we think about how much passion and heart she had in that moment, right, to, to anoint Jesus. And we, we, we tend to think about uh, the way the disciples were wrong in the moment to rebuke her, for, for criticize her for what she did. Tell them, you don't, you don't understand how wrong that you are. And I think it's easy for us to, to think that, but I can kind of see the perspective of the disciples. I can, right, because immediately I start to consider the cost. I start to think, you know, what kind of, uh, of, of sacrifice this woman is making. We're told that this jar of perfume was so expensive, it was worth a year's wage. So let's put it in terms of like Christmas. This isn't like a, a tiny gift. This isn't a stocking stuffer type of gift. You know what I'm saying? This isn't like socks in your stocking. Or this isn't like the, the lifesaver book that my parents, I mean, Santa would always put in my stocking. Anybody else get the Lifesaver books? Every year, wild cherry flavor. I still love them to this day, right? Lifesaver book. This wasn't that. This was an extreme gift. This was a, oh, by the way, there's something in the garage. You know, you need to open that sucker up, the bow on the car. This was an extravagant kind of gift. So I kind of understand 
the disciples' perspective. I kind of understand why they would say, man, what could we have done with this? Think of, think of the good we could have done because here this woman is bringing this, this perfume, this pure nard we know from like the Himalayan mountains. She broke it open and the aroma would just kind of fill the room. This crazy lady that Mark's gospel doesn't tell us, but she, she does, you know, broke into the room, busted in on this dinner party and just started pouring perfume all over Jesus. So I wonder what was, what was happening in the room in that moment. What was going through everyone's mind? Simon the leper, you know, who's hosting the party, he's probably like, yeah, you know, sorry about that. This happens all the time. You know, somebody just comes in here. And so I can understand when they push back and they try to calculate the cost. They try to size up the sacrifice. They try to, try to understand and comprehend what's happening. How many of you know that when, you're, when your heart wants to do something, your heart wants to step out in faith, that your mind will try to talk you out of it? That your mind will, will push back. Your mind will try to make sense. Your mind will try to, try to size up. Your mind will try to understand. Like, how many of you know if you're really going to bring a sacrificial gift to God, you're gonna have, you know, you're gonna second guess yourself. You're gonna think things like, I don't understand, why, why would I do that? Why, why should I, I, I do that? If you're really gonna bring a sacrificial kind of gift to God, it's gonna make you puke in your mouth just a little bit, <laughs> right? You're gonna feel at least sick in your stomach and second guess what you're doing. And so that's kind of what, what the disciples are in this moment, trying to size up and comprehend what's happening. Because it's easy for me personally to give to God you know, beforehand, early on in my, in my Christian faith, when I didn't have, I didn't have much, you know, because what does it matter if you don't, if you don't have a lot, you know, why not? You know, if you're down 56 to zero, throw a Hail Mary out there, it doesn't matter. But when you have something and God is asking you to give a little something, you know, this woman in this moment is giving a year's kind of worth of wages to Jesus. It just doesn't make sense. We start trying to size up this gift, and we're trying to explain it away, but we have to think that sometimes, in order for us to understand something, we need to experience it for ourselves. I remember before having little little children, boys, uh, Kristen and I, you know, when we were early on in our marriage, and somebody asked me, are you gonna have kids? And I'm like, no, why would you do that? Like all they do is they, they puke on you and poop on you and, and spit up on you and all that kind of stuff. You know, why would you want to do that? And then what I learned is, what all the parents have learned is that they're different when they're yours, aren't they? Like it's different when they belong to you. It's different when you have an experience with them. Like I, I still won't change your kids' diapers, but I'll change mine, right? Because it's, it's different, you understand it. You have a different experience when they, when they run to you with their arms open, when they want to hug your neck, when they want to kiss you and, and love on you. It's different when you have a, a personal experience with it. And I think about people coming in this room. I think there are a lot of things that we do in church that people don't understand because they don't necessarily have a personal experience with it. Like you might have walked through these doors today and thought, why are people raising their hands when they're singing? Like, what's that about? What are, they, what are they reaching for? You know, is there there's something up on the ceiling? Or why do some people look like they're like this? Like they're holding a baby, and I don't even see a baby in their hands. Like, like what's that all about, right? 
Maybe this place is weird. Maybe we should leave. You know, I don't know what it is. But people who are walking through the doors for the first time, maybe they, they see something a little different. But once you have an experience, and maybe the, the time you walk through these doors when you're, you're going through it in your life and you finally realize, hey God, you are great and I am small. I can't do this without you. So in surrender, you throw your hands up. It's different, right? When you have a personal experience. Like you understand taking a posture of surrender when you get what God has done for you through Jesus. And so I think in this moment, I can understand uh, the, the disciples. I can understand their pushback. They're having a hard time understanding, you know, sizing up this sacrifice, what they perceive to be reckless, what they perceive to be extravagant, but maybe, maybe this woman had a different experience. Maybe she had a, a different kind of appraisal and appreciation for what was happening and who Jesus was. And I think we can let the disciples off the hook for not understanding, really because the cross hadn't happened yet. But you and I, we have the benefit of knowing what happened. You and I have the benefit of understanding the, the complete story, the complete picture. You and I know that just hours later, Jesus would roll up into Jerusalem on a donkey and people would line the streets throwing palm branches down, shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. You know, here comes our, our savior. He's going to, to rescue us. And then moments after that, they, the Hosannas would turn to crucify. We get that. And we know that later on, Jesus would die on the cross and, and come back to life, taking our sin, our shame, our guilt, and, and having victory over it. You and I know that because we've seen the other side of it. Maybe this woman understood that. Maybe she understood this was her only opportunity to, to sacrifice and do something significant for the one that she considered to be the Savior. They were celebrating they had this dinner party. They were kind of celebrating the, the Passover feast. And I think that that's significant because they understood celebration, but maybe not completely the sacrifice. They were celebrating the time that God had led the, the Israelites out of Egypt, the time that he said, hey, I, I'm gonna pass over you if you would take a spotless lamb and you would, you would spill its blood and you take the blood and put it on the door frame, on the doorpost of the house. And then when I come, I'm going to pass over you. And you are not gonna take upon you the punishment that, that these Egyptians are gonna take upon them. And so right now we understand that, that if you've ever had God pass over a punishment that you deserve, then you understand celebration. And so in the moments, these guys, they understood celebration, but they couldn't fully comprehend this sacrifice. So they're having dinner, but this woman understood a deeper sense of sacrifice. Here these guys were kicked back, reclined at the table. This woman comes in, breaks open this, this jar uh, because of her experience. And these guys couldn't uh, understand it. She understood that this whole thing was kind of winding down. That, that Jesus had spent three years healing people, feeding people, right? And, and knowing that it's coming to this final conclusion of him approaching the cross, the very reason that he was brought to this, this earth. Now this chapter of his life is coming to an end. He's headed to the cross, but they couldn't see it, but she could. 
And this moment she realizes that not only is this, this the Passover season, but this right here sitting at the table is the Passover lamb, that Jesus was the lamb who was slain before the foundations of the earth. That's what the Bible says. And so while what, what, what the door, the blood on the doorpost signified was now sitting among them at the table, and she understood it. She got it. And in that moment, she realized if he is going to give his life for me, the least I could do is sacrifice for him. If he is going to accept me, restore me, uh, put me back in, in my, my rightful position with God, the least I could do is break a, a vase for him. So it's my privilege. And I understand that because of what Jesus has done for me, it's my privilege to be able to give. It's my privilege to be able to sacrifice for him. She saw something that they didn't. They were sizing up the sacrifice, but she understood the sacrifice that was sitting at the table. And like the disciples, I think oftentimes you and I, we get comfortable. We get complacent. We're the ones kind of, kind of kicking back and maybe not fully comprehending and understanding all that Jesus has done for us. And so when the time comes to sacrifice for him, we don't respond. But if you'll truly remember what God has saved you from, and you really can appreciate who he is, that he is the resurrection and the life, then it makes sense for us to sacrifice. It makes sense for us to, to be extravagant. It makes sense for us to give because everything that I am, everything that, that you are is because of him. And so I, I think about this woman who in this moment, and Mark doesn't give us a lot of um, detail as to, to who she is, but remember there are other gospels and there are other gospel writers that see this from a completely different perspective because I believe that I, if I could understand her story, then maybe I could understand her sacrifice. If I could understand you know, what brought her to that point, then I think maybe I could understand uh, this extreme gift. I wish I knew more about who this, this woman was. Because here's what I know, she didn't wake up that morning on a whim and decide, hey, today is the day I'm just gonna dump a year's worth of wages on Jesus's head and anoint him. No, something must have happened. Something must have happened in her life to bring her to this place, to this moment. Now, Mark doesn't tell me, but there is a footnote in my study Bible that says refer to John. Because John gives us the same story, but from a different perspective. Look at it with me. John chapter 12, verse one. Let's see if we can understand a little bit better, if we can understand her experience so we can understand what drove her to this extravagance. What made her get to this point? Here's what John 12, one says. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany. Bethany was just a, a couple miles away. Bethany is a, a stop that Jesus would often go to. Bethany is, is where Jesus would kind of connect with people and, and get reprieve and get, and get rest. It says six days before the Passover, he came to Bethany where Lazarus lived. Does anybody remember Lazarus? Remember that guy? Lazarus who died and who Jesus with just a few words, you know, brought back to life? Lazarus. So now I'm, I'm understanding a little bit of what's going on. Because you don't often see people who are dead come back to life. 
And so Lazarus lived there, whom Jesus raised from the dead. And I wish I had time to talk about that, how, how everyone thought Jesus was late, but Jesus was actually right on time. And oftentimes in your late your life, when you think Jesus isn't showing up the way that he should, you've been asking God to do something in your life, a lot of times he'll allow you to wait just a little bit longer to reveal to you some part of his character that you would not necessarily know of had you not been in that position of waiting for God. I'll say it, I'll say it this way. Sometimes he'll allow us to go through some stuff in order to teach us something. And so Lazarus, in that, in that moment, he, he came back to life. So Lazarus is there, because this is the same, same story, just from a, a different perspective. Lazarus is there, who Jesus had raised from the dead. And here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. And Martha served. You remember Martha? Martha, Martha, uh, who, who cooked for Jesus. Martha, who's the one that opened up her home many times. She's the, the sister of Lazarus. Martha, I think, made a mean casserole because Jesus would always stop there. It's that Martha. And then, watch this. Martha's there. Lazarus is there. There is Simon the leper, obviously, has opened up his home. Martha is, is serving Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table. And then watch this. Then Mary took a pint of perfume, of pure nard, expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped it up with her hair. Mary, now I get it. This wasn't just any woman. This was Mary who did this. Now I understand a little bit of her experience. So I understand now more of her extravagance in this, this gift. This is Mary that ran to Jesus and said, Jesus, if you had only been here, my brother would still be alive. Jesus, if you would only have, have been here, you know, you could have saved him. This was Mary that, that took Jesus to the tomb. And then Jesus, in just a few words, said, Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. And he came out of the tomb. This is Mary who witnessed that. And I get excited because I've seen that happen in this church. I've seen things that were dead brought back to life. I've seen families restored. I've seen marriages healed with just a few words that God has spoken over someone's heart. And so this helps me understand a little bit of why this extreme gift. While we're trying to size up the sacrifice, here we are, here Mary is, understanding that this is her her savior. And so for me, when I, when I give today, I do it from experience. I do it from the reality of, of who I was before God. I do it from the reality of without God, I would still be stuck in my, my sin. Without God, I would not have a, a, or without what Jesus did for me, I would not have a relationship with God. You don't mind being extravagant when you have a personal experience. And I refuse to recline at the table and experience the resurrection, know who Jesus is. See, again, we have a different viewpoint than the disciples did in that moment. I refuse to understand all that God has done for me and resist to sacrifice for him. And when you know that God has sacrificed for you, that he's given you his first and best in Jesus, really it's our only adequate response. This is the only reasonable response Mary had in this moment that seemed like this huge gift, that seemed like this amazing, you know, kind of expense. 
And it was, but she understood who, who Jesus was. Here's what I believe. If we could ask Mary, do you think this was a sacrifice? She would say, no way. What Jesus did for me was a sacrifice. What Jesus went through for me was a sacrifice. The fact that now I can have a relationship with God, the fact that now I can, I can be restored to him, that my sins aren't counted uh, against me, that my debt's been paid, that was the sacrifice. All I did was open up some perfume and pour it out. I wonder if you've ever broken a jar for Jesus. I wonder if you've ever got to that place where this extravagant gift just poured out of you because of all that he's done for you. I think we have an opportunity today. We get to recline at the table and kick back and refuse to respond to the sacrifice or as many of you have prayed for months, a couple months, maybe weeks even, what God would have you bring today is an opportunity for us to respond and sacrificially give back to God. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you made a decision to follow Jesus into your life and accept him as Lord and Savior, we would love to know about it. You can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash yes, and there'll be some practical next steps for you to take along this journey. If you want to commit to feeling the mission and vision of this church to see people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, you can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash give.